This is the MDRT Podcast. There are many nuances to working with clients going through divorce, the death of a spouse, or any other situation that leaves them feeling vulnerable. During a Zoom conversation in September 2022, Renee Hansen, Private Wealth Advisor, Scottsdale, Arizona. Sandro Forte, CEO of Forte Financial, London, UK. Shared the unexpected lessons and strategies they used to ensure the success of the dynamic between advisor and client. There are things that, about us as professionals that we know so much about. We know so much about the things that are going to happen in people's lives, the progression. We know all about holistic financial planning. We know all about what clients need, and we're ready to serve that. And sometimes we communicate that. I remember about midway through my profession as I'm building my skill set, a widow was referred to me. And I said to her, you know, I'm sorry for your loss, which of course, you know, you use whatever terms that you want to use for that. Sorry for your loss. I'm sure you miss him. She says, oh no, he was a complete ass. This is a great new start for me. (laughs) This was a really stark lesson of do not assume what other people are feeling or that there's a norm to follow. So through my education, through the Sudden Money Institute, Financial Transitionist Institute, is the education to allow people to label their feelings. We're really good about, you must be overwhelmed. You must feeling that you're struggling through this. Allow them to label and own where they are so that you can help them work through the situation. So for example, the questions you might ask is, how does that make you feel? During this process, what are you doing to manage the chaos that you said is going on? So you're allowing them to state what's going on rather than assuming. And I'm positive you're assuming right. Sandro, you and I, after we hear them say these things, we already knew the answer. But it's allowing them to state it versus us telling them what's going on. It then allows them to not push us into telling them what to do, but to work together for them to make the right decisions of what to do, and then we help implement forward on that. So I would say, don't be afraid to call out what it is, but don't do it in an accusatory way. Allow them to say what's going on. And I imagine everyone on this podcast is thinking about their relationships at home. And it's an excellent way to practice that, by the way, at home. (laughs) Allow the other person to express before you tell them what they're feeling. Yeah, very well said, Rene. I think for my part, I have this word that really dominates everything that I do in my business, and it's the word process. For me, if we come at every relationship from the right place, and and the way I look at this is that although we are talking specifically about somebody going through a, a painful divorce, we are talking more generally about vulnerable clients. So that would be somebody recently bereaved, as you've said. It might be somebody for whom the native language is the second one. So in England, English is a second language that creates a vulnerability. It might be age, it might be illness. And I approach all these things in a slightly different way. So for example, in the divorce case that I dealt with a few years ago, and I deal with lots of matrimonial cases, the process for me is education first, always. This is not about thinking, oh, there's some money at the end of this process. And therefore, there's a commercial opportunity. It's about a genuine desire to take somebody on a journey so that they emerge the other side better for having met me. Now, if ultimately that means that that individual can do it themselves, 
they go off somewhere else because for whatever reason the relationship doesn't work and and that happens and we have to accept that we are not going to be loved by everyone we meet my commitment to every one of my prospective clients is to take them on a journey it starts with education which leads to empowerment once somebody is empowered to make their own decisions and there are a number of benefits to me as well so i'll cover those but once you get somebody to a place where they feel empowered to make decisions for themselves or any as you know they feel comfortable. You don't have those awkward conversations 12 months hence where they say, I vaguely remember you telling me what to do just after I got divorced. And now I feel really uncomfortable because I don't know what I've got and why I did it. And those conversations happen a lot. Unfortunately, they feel very comfortable with the decisions they've made because they understand why they've made them. So that's longevity of relationship, which has much more commercial advantage to me, obviously, because they're a client for longer. It leads to greater referrals or introductions and future business opportunities. So let's not ignore the commercial aspects. We are, after all, all business owners. But I think too many people approach it the other way around. They look at the commercial opportunity first and they'll lose an awful lot more opportunities than they win. That would be the first thing that I that I would say. The other thing is that when I was dealing with some clients where English was the second language, they were actually from Greece. They'd not long moved to the UK. And although their command of the English language was okay, they were clearly very uncomfortable when I was introduced to them by the lawyer speaking English. And we kind of got through the meeting. But when I wrote my meeting summary, which I do after every occasion I meet a new client, I summarize everything we've discussed, broadly speaking, in three sections the information they give me, background information, a summary of the fact find, if you will, the objectives that we've discussed, and then some things for them to think about. I call them outline observations. I had that translated at my cost by a translator. And so the letter was sent to them in Greek. And whilst we weren't going to continue relationship speaking Greek, clearly that wasn't going to work. That relationship was born of a desire to just go that extra yard. When somebody's feeling vulnerable, we have to think outside the box a little bit and say to ourselves, what makes this person feel a little bit more comfortable? Because with great respect to every brilliantly qualified advisor out there, it is not academia, it's not knowledge experience, the product you sell or the price you sell it at that will win you a new client in those circumstances. It's that care and attention, that feeling that you are putting your arms around them and saying, okay, let's work through this together. Let's go on a journey. If the outcome is that we decide to work together, and there's a very important emphasis on the word we, by the way, always approach relationships where it is a mutual decision. This is not a subservient approach to financial planning, where we kind of hope that the client will take us on as a financial planner. That's a big no-no for me. It's a very much a mutual decision. But when it comes to things like bereavement, instead of kind of bowling in after the event, looking for the conversations with the beneficiaries and the executors, I always try to think of myself or try to position myself as somebody very much in their inner circle. In other words, somebody, the first step for which is to check, you know, are they all right? Is there anything I can do to help you? on a practical level, fetch, carry, you know, be in a certain place at a certain time. This is long before I put my financial planning hat on and have that conversation, which oftentimes takes place some weeks or months after the event. But in the first instance, and this is the reason we send birthday car, we make birthday telephone calls to all of our clients, where we kind of create this, this feeling that we are part of their inner circle. We're not just 
another professional person. And as a consequence, we become the kind of central point of that of that hub, if you like, the wheel, because I want to control those relationships. If every client comes to me asking the legal question, the the accountancy question, the general insurance question, the mortgage question, then I've got three or four opportunities to speak to these people every single year. And you talk, Rene, about the norm. I'll give you an example of something other than the norm. I've currently got a 77-year-old lady and a 96-year-old man, married, 59 years, who have decided that enough is enough and they're getting divorced. I have managed both clients who have kind of lived in the same house and been estranged from each other for a very long period of time to the extent that we have to buy special tamper-proof envelopes because they kind of have a good look at what the other person has got. So I've had to deal with two clients completely separately, married for 59 years, living in the same house, having two completely confidential, separate conversations and keeping them well away from each other financially. So, you know, I think that oftentimes, most of the time, we think that there is a norm, that there is a conformist way to do stuff. And you know what? There really isn't. You have to think on your feet. And I think the most successful advisors, you know, in your living, breathing example, Rene, if somebody's done super well in this particular area, because let me phrase it like this. You think with care. You think like somebody that's not wearing that financial planning hat would think the financial planning bit that's a skill set that gets introduced at some point but you've got to lead with heart and and follow with head in this particular situation and i salute you because you you know you clearly stand for those values as do i i like to think sandra you you really articulate well the technical and personal side of the advice that we provide the technical are all the tools that we use all the information and advice we provide The personal is meeting the expectations of a client. Because you work with many vulnerable clients as I do, I think that that's important that we remember that we can identify very quickly in the big life transitions. Bruce Feiler talks about the life quakes. We all have five or six big ones in our life, but a number of small ones. You also mentioned the journey that you work with your clients. You go through the journey of their life together. And there's a lot of little life quakes that happen and you see them and hold their hand through that. That vulnerability can make very difficult the advice that we provide on the personal level. Sandra, like you, I think a lot of the MDRT members do the extra mile things, trying to identify those. And I would say, look for those and do those, but also pick up on some of the processes that you mentioned that you might do for these people that are vulnerable. When people come in with big life quakes, like a divorce, as you were mentioning, or widowhood or job change, particularly if it's a layoff uh, type of transition, is they're often battling a lot of chaos that's going on, a lot of things going in their head. And if ever you've been in that cycle, Sandra, where something's going on in your life and you think, oh, I gotta do this, and it goes to this, then it goes to this, we just have this circle in our head. Oftentimes that's how these vulnerable clients are feeling when they land to the other side of our desk, right? One of the tools that I use, and it is process-driven, like you were mentioning how important that is, Sandra, is the now, soon, later. Again, I learned this through my Certified Financial Transitionist educational courses, and that is, what do they need to address right now? Okay, so if, if it's a death, we have to wait here about 10 days to get a death certificate. So we have to wait for that. We can't do anything about that until it arrives. What are the now items that need to be addressed? 
what are the soon items, the things that are coming up that we're going to have to address? I try to help them narrow it down to three. Sometimes we get to five and that's fine. And then what are the things that we can think about later so that they can begin to reduce the amount of overwhelm that they're feeling in their life? And we think about life transitions as negative. That They're not all negative. A life transition can be a huge promotion. It could be an inheritance, sadly. But those are things that allow people to think about their future differently. It could be winning the lottery. Think about athletes that finally get selected and they have this huge windfall. There are as many struggle components of a positive windfall as there are on a negative. Our toolbox should include the tools that allow us to identify what's going on in their lives from that care and concern point of view, Sandro, that you were pointing out. Not about all the things that we're going to win from this, but about what's going on in the client's life. They will know the difference in our conversation if you are coming from that heartfelt position, Sandro, which is why you're so successful because you always come from that point of view. I think that those are really important things to consider in your being authentic, the right point of view, helping clients through life changes, knowing that we're going to be on that journey with them along the way to where it's a win-win situation for your practice. It's a win-win for the client. That's the end of this month's episode. If you'd like to subscribe, you can find us on SoundCloud and Spotify at MDRT Podcast. Thanks for listening and see you next time.